In the 1980s, the franchise arcade pizza parlor wars reached its climax. The two frontrunners, Showbiz Pizza and Chuck E. Cheese, were constantly at each other's throats. And as you can tell, one ended up winning in the end. However, their origin stories contains double crosses, twists, turns, ball pits of money, and even animatronic murder. I'm James Darty, and this is Name Changers. The story begins with a man named Nolan Bushnell. With a strong background in electrical engineering, Bushnell set out to Silicon Valley in his 20s. With the help of Al Alcorn, the pair invented Pong, the classic tennis-based video game. Nolan and his business partners took the products to venture capitalists, but could not secure any funding. So at the age of 27, with $500 in his pocket, Bushnell founded Atari. As any kid who lived through the Christmases of the 1970s and 80s can tell you, Atari became a smash hit and a must-have that dominated the video game space. In 1976, Bushnell sold the company to Warner Communications for $28 million, which is roughly $127 million today. He stayed on to head the company. Now, Bushnell always had a love for Disney. He applied but was turned down multiple times from that company. But he wanted to create a place for kids to have access to the newest arcade games because most of them were in bowling alleys or bars. So Nolan, with Atari, opened the first Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater in 1977 in San Jose, California. With the now famous combination of pizza, arcade, and animatronic musicians. Now, I love this next fun fact. Apparently, the name Chuck E. Cheese was designed to give you a smile when you say it. Go go ahead and try it. The portion at the end of cheese gives you that slight smile, which is a fantastic subliminal tactic. There's a lot of psychological studies that show, even if you're genuinely unhappy, if you force a smile, you'll feel slightly better. Associating that with your brand is a smart move and perfect for this space. Disgruntled with Warner Communications' decisions for Atari, Bushnell decided to leave, purchase the full ownership of Chuck E. Cheese, and pursue it fully. Bushnell marketed aggressively and began attracting the attention of some big people. Enter Robert Brock. Now, Brock was the president of Topeka Inn Management and became incredibly wealthy for being the largest franchisee of Holiday Inns in 1979. And he wanted to diversify his portfolio, so Brock and Bushnell signed a multi-million dollar co-development agreement, giving Brock the exclusive franchise rights in the southwestern and midwestern U.S. As Brock set on his plans, he found himself disappointed with the quality of Chuck E. Cheese animatronics. They looked really cheap. Some sources say the reason they had not improved them is because they thought kids don't care. Brock, however, did. He sought out and found a man named Aaron Fector. Now, Fector was widely regarded as a technical genius, playing with radio since he was four, having a television repair business at the age of 11, graduating from the University of South Florida at the age of 19. He's also well known as the creator of Whack-A-Mole from 1976. 
he dived deep into animatronics and his designs were much superior to Bushnell's. Brock was unsteady about the idea of only his Chuck E. Cheese locations having improved animatronics. And he also feared a competitor would come along, have great animatronics out of the gate and take them out of business. So Brock severed all ties with Bushnell. And on March 3rd, 1980, in Kansas City, Missouri, Brock and Fector opened the first showbiz pizza, a name that doesn't exactly make you smile. The original store had differences from Chuck E. Cheese, but allegedly used decorations and pieces that were already delivered to Brock in the original contract. Disgruntled, Bushnell took them to court and spent years and years fighting. During that time, Showbiz opened more locations and implemented a brand new band called the Rockafire Explosion, which became their signature. Love that name. It sounds like a very 1980s rock band. The two companies hit their heyday from 1980 to 1982 and began opening so many locations there would be a showbiz pizza across the street from a showbiz pizza just to get a leg up on the market before Chuck E. Cheese swooped in. Around this time, the case became settled out of court and Brock had to give Chuck E. Cheese $50 million. However, both companies were doing exceedingly well, so it didn't even make a dent. All good things must come to an end. And Bushnell became disinterested in the franchise. And he gave operations to others while he focused on ventures he found himself more passionate about. 1983 would spell disaster for Chuck E. Cheese and the video game industry as a whole. The chain lost $15 million and Atari lost $539 million. Stocks plummeted more and more and later that same year, Chuck E. Cheese Pizza Time Theater declared Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Showbiz Pizza won. But instead of enjoying watching their main competitor close shop, they made an unexpected move. They bought out the newly doomed restaurant chain. Now, I want to halt the story here for a second because I believe you're probably confused about what happens next. I mean, it's 2019 and there are no showbiz pizzas except actually in the UAE. And everywhere is a Chuck E. Cheese. What happened? I was thoroughly intrigued, and that's why I looked into the story. With the mergers, they may combine the name. An example is the two satellite radio powerhouses rebranding as Sirius XM. With acquisitions, the new parent company may leave the newly acquired one as is with just new ownership and possibly begin overlapping branding a la the recent Disney purchase of Fox. Or they could phase out the newly acquired company and replace their locations or properties with their own branding, an example being Wells Fargo purchasing Wachovia. But to have the parent company change their name to that of the failed acquired company is so crazy to me. I developed theories. Potentially, the new management realized the name was flat out better. Having the character and moniker of Chuck E. Cheese, which apparently makes you smile every time you say it, is strong. People immediately recognize the mouse, which has recently been CGI'd to look like a cool teenager. And maybe they did name testing and found people preferred the name. Well, I found out the real reason. And I have to say, it's not as positive as I expected. 1983 was also tough for showbiz, and the struggle to survive began. Showbiz Pizza kept the separate showbiz and Chuck E. Cheese stores open, but they had to start closing failing stores. Additionally, the company's relations with Fector turned rocky. 
showbiz started doing more in-house to save money and began making creative changes to the show without Fector's permission. Fector only owned about 20% of the company, but he was supposed to have creative control of the animatronics. He became disgruntled and embarked on the road to cut ties with showbiz. 1986 saw an upswing in business and marketing became aggressive. They renovated restaurants and planned to name all the restaurants Showbiz Pizza. The only problem was the two different bands. Showbiz Signature was the Rockafire Explosion, and with the departure of Fector, they began experimenting with new ideas. One was making an animatronic Yogi Bear to front an entirely new band. Another problem was, Fector actually had the full rights to Rockafire Explosion, and he began licensing them to competitors. To save money and differentiate themselves, Showbiz experimented with replacing all Rockafire Explosions with Chuck E. Cheese's inferior quality Munch's Make-Believe Band. This time, Brock and the management adapted the thought, the kids won't care. Profits remained the same, and due to this, they changed the name of all the restaurants to Chuck E. Cheese in 1992. So it turned out to be a play for branding consistency and their bottom line. You can't have showbiz pizza without the Rockafire explosion. So if they lose that, they lose showbiz. You can't have Disney without Mickey. You can't have Burger King without the Whopper. What does this teach us? So brand identity and a name go hand in hand. Showbiz lost their identity and had to change to their new acquisition, who still retained theirs. Had Chuck E. Cheese not had an effective name, it's hard to say if the disappointment of having showbiz without Rockerfire would have ended in their demise. Another lesson here is not related to naming. It's just don't be a jerk. In the end, showbiz actually lost, and that's because they decided to make the important people who were good to them angry. Just be nice. It's, it's really not that hard. You could call it karma, but I just say, that's showbiz, baby. I'm sorry, I had to do it. Now for this next part, unless you're driving, I want you to close your eyes and imagine this is the end to some cool movie based on a true story. And there's pictures on the screen with the people and slow changing text over them. Ready? Okay, here we go. After a string of failed ventures, Bushnell rejoined Atari as a board member in 2010 and is trying his hand in VR and educational softwares. Robert Brock went on to create a hotel chain called The Residence, which was acquired by Marriott and is known today as The Residence Inn. He passed away in 1998. Aaron Fector licensed the Rockefeller explosion to other copycats, which soon folded. He then opened a concept karaoke bar using the characters. There was a resurgence in popularity of the characters in 2005 with the rise of YouTube, a documentary in 2008, and then in 2014 with the release of the smash indie game Five Nights at Freddy's. A Name Changers is made in association with Namestormers, a naming agency in Austin, Texas. Find out more about them at namestormers.com. If you want to learn more about this crazy story and dive deep into this world, check out the fan-run site showbizpizza.com. They have a wealth of knowledge, old recordings, and more. If you have any questions, email us at namechangerspodcast at gmail.com and find show notes at namestormers.com slash resources. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you like the show. It really helps people find us. I'm James Darty. We'll see you next time.